Lord, we want honor and praises, glory to be unto your name. Lord, with all we might have been overwhelmed with this week, we pray that we might be overwhelmed with you because there is so much more in you to overwhelm us than is in our lives. Lord, we pray now for your word. Feed us what you desire to give us out of your word. We are hungry to hear from you. We need you. Even if we don't know it, we need you. And Lord, we pray that you would speak now to exactly what we need from you. Amen. So, does anybody like to eat? Some of you do. How about the rest of you? Don't like to eat? Uh, somebody's giving me a thumbs down, but uh, most of you seem to like to eat. I like to eat. I do. I like, I like to eat quite a bit. And I like to pick what I eat. I like to eat what I want, how much I want, when I want, where I want. Um, I just like to eat. Uh, so I have a question for you. And I want you to think about this, and then I want you to ask. I want you to tell your neighbor about it. You might have to move to get close to your neighbor. So I want you to remember your favorite meal or meals. Maybe it was a special meal, or maybe it was a regular meal, or maybe it was growing up, or maybe it was recently, or I don't know where it was, but uh, who did you eat with, and who hosted, and where did you eat, and what did you eat? Okay? I want you to think about that. And I'm looking around the room, and I'm thinking, I would like to have had a meal with at their place. I, I can imagine that. That would have been a good meal. You just see inside your heads as a good meal to um, okay, thinking about it? All right, so find somebody and tell them about your favorite meal or meals. Somebody near you or not near you. You might need to move. Okay, let, let me hear about somebody's, somebody's meal. Yeah. Family. Okay. That's the common thread in all your favorite meals. All right. Okay. Somebody else? Is it still coming or? When, what date exactly? <laughs> Okay, check in with him later about that. <laughs> Behind you was somebody. I think somebody had a hand. Yeah. Family. It's common. Okay. Yep. Yeah, all the different kinds of food and all the countries and all the family and all that. that Our family, yeah. I was just looking around here thinking, I bet Faith makes some good food. And I bet we could have some jollof rice with Bode. And I was thinking, I've eaten at Pastor Jim's quite a few times. It's Annette's, I should say. Um, sometimes I go for lunch and he throws something on a, on a piece of bread. But, um, um, but anyway, I've eaten, a lot of your places have been fun, yeah. 
Ajá. Ajá. So you didn't catch any fish? <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to call other people out now. Okay. Yep. Your family. Okay. All right. So we had uh, a variety of things and also a common theme of family that about half people mentioned. So that's, that's uh, good. Um, so we like to eat. I like to eat. And um, I like to eat what I want to eat. Um, and then, uh, so then I, I was trying to figure out, so we're, we're trying to get through Deuteronomy, right? So we have to do a whole bunch of chapters, chapter 12 to 60, and I'm trying to figure out what these chapters have in common. One thing, one word that's in there a whole bunch of times is eat. So I figured, okay, we'll talk about eat. We'll talk about eating. Um, and uh, here's the thing, in our society, we're just trying to eat and be free. So how did we end up so fat and hungry? We got blood pressure on the rise, cholesterol, cancer, all because they say we're eating bad. And then we got 40 million people in America who are food insecure. Food insecurity for 40 million people. And if we're talking about the church around the world, it's even worse in the sense that, I mean, food, I mean, hunger has gone down significantly in the world, but it's still, so in Tanzania, it used to be a lot higher. It's only now a third of kids who are stunted because they're malnourished. They don't get enough to eat or the right kinds of food to eat. And this year there was no rain. So what does it mean when some of my family is hungry? Um, how did we get so in debt? That's another question. Um, and it's not just food that got us there, I know. But uh, how do we get so lonely and so sad and so anxious? Uh, we, we know there's a rise of depression, anxiety, even clinically. Although I don't know exactly the reason, but you know, a lot of debate about why that is, a lot of talk about loneliness. So how did we get from, from there to there? And, and you all go, so what's the connection here? But um, don't you think we have this ideal of family meals or whatever, and then the reality is eh, not so much. Um, so that's part of what I'm trying to figure out. How, where's the connection here between, um, and this remote book of Deuteronomy and uh, the situation we're in now? And uh, so let's back up a little bit to where we are in Deuteronomy. We talked about grace, listen, love, and live. We talked about how it said, listen, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. He is the one who rescued us from slavery, freed us, so we're free. And we also talked about how he loved us fully and faithfully, so we should love him fully and faithfully with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind. And um, so this time we're going to talk about eat. Be blessed so you can eat well or just eat or eat justly. You know, we're talking about justice, so we're going to just eat. And then be blessed. When we obey and we eat well, then um, there's some blessing that God promises to come with that. So we, we, we're, we're in Deuteronomy 12 to 16, so you can get your Bible out because I didn't put it all on the slide. Um, in front of you, there's a Bible. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 12. So remember that this is a speech, several speeches from Moses. Moses is about to die. So this is the speech at the graduation from Wilderness College. 
And Professor Moses, with all of his wisdom of 120 years, is trying to give these graduates the lesson that they'll remember so that they can handle the big world out there. Because they're about to enter into Canaan, a place they've never been, never seen. And they've been complaining about cafeteria food for 40 years. You know, they go into the cafeteria, manna just gets on their plate. Every, they just have to go in there and they get cafeteria food and they're like, oh man, manna again. Oh man, this cafeteria food at this wilderness college is so boring. They don't realize that when they get out of college, they don't just walk in and people put food on their plate. That's a little surprise sometimes when you get out of home or out of college that food just doesn't appear on your plate like that, even if it wasn't great food, right? So they've been complaining about Professor Moses and all of his tests, and they've been complaining about the food, and Professor Moses is trying to give them one last shot before they enter into the big wide world, before they enter into Canaanite territory, to prepare them for how they're going to live. Um, he's trying to tell them, answer the questions you get when you get out of college or out of home. How do I eat? You know, mom always just prepared stuff, but no, how do, how do I eat? Um, and who am I? Now that I'm not whatever rank in school or I'm not a baseball player, I'm not what, who am I? And who are my peeps? Who are my people? Who are my friends? Who are my family? And where did they all go? I guess on social media, they're all having a great time. But it doesn't look like my life. Uh, part of how you get lonely and depressed and anxious, right? Um, so how do we move into this new big wide world out there in Canaanite territory? And what are we going to do about it? So um, there's kind of been this introduction and the big picture in the first chapters of, of Deuteronomy. He's given the, the main lay of the land, and the main focus has been who is Yahweh, his grace, his love, and how do we respond with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Now we get into kind of a new section that's kind of more specific stipulations of the covenant. More So chapter 12 starts with, these are the decrees and regulations you must be careful to obey when you live in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Must obey them as long as you live. So Professor Moses is trying to give them this last thing. This is what you need to do when you get there. Um, and God is going to give you this land. That's a great promise. And he goes on to talk about what they need to do. So he says, when you get in there, and again, this is focused on that loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. He says, when you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods. High on the mountains, up on the hills, and under every green tree. Break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Burn their Asherah poles and cut down their carved idols. Completely erase the names of their gods. Erase their power and their presence because it was all over. They had places to worship gods all over. The Asherah poles were kind of phallic symbols and there was, you know, there was this, there's this kind of fertility religion where they had a lot of sex involved in the, in the orgies at the worship. And uh, it talks about, at the end of it, it talks about they even sacrificed their children. Maybe those were the, from the pregnancies of the, of the cult prostitutes. It was a, it, well, it was Canaanite religion, the way it was. And, they, and he says, do not worship Yahweh your God in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. So even if you're worshiping Yahweh, don't 
do it the way they do. They've got their way of doing things. The world's got its way of doing stuff. Society's got its way of doing stuff. Don't do it that way. Rather, you must seek Yahweh your God at the place of worship he himself will choose from among all the tribes, the place where his name will be honored. He's going to put his name on this place. He's welcoming you into this land that he's giving to you, and then he's going to have a place, a house for himself, where his name is going to be honored, and you should always go there, not just wherever you want. And he goes on and says, there you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, tithes, sacred offerings, offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings, and your offerings of the firstborn of your herds and flocks. So they're going to bring food there. There you and your families will feast in the presence of Yahweh your God. And you'll rejoice in all you've accomplished because Yahweh your God has blessed you. So here he's, he's telling them, you're going to feast. And remember at Mount Sinai, the elders got to go up to Mount Sinai and they had a banquet in the presence of God at the foot of Mount Sinai. And he's saying, you all are going to be able to have that kind of a thing. You're going to all be able to feast in God's presence at the place he chooses. So you can't just do it anywhere, just like the Canaanites, however you want to do. He goes on and says, the pattern, your pattern of worship will change. Today, all of you are doing as you please. Because you've not yet arrived in the place of rest, the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. But when you cross, you should go to the designated place of worship, the place your God chooses for his name to be honored. You must celebrate there in the presence, this is verse 12, you must celebrate there in the presence of the Lord your God with all your sons, your daughters, your servants. Remember to include the Levites who live in your town, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings just anywhere you like. You may do so only at the place God will choose and do everything I command you. So he's inviting them to this particular place, to his house. Um, and what's... <laughs> so here's the... And, and then he goes on a little bit later and he talks about what they can eat. Chapter 14 talks about clean and unclean animals. Um, the, so the, the focus here, though, is on worshiping not like the Canaanites, not however you please. And I, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of people like to worship however they please. First of all, I like to worship whoever they please, right? Or not. That's kind of the American way. Freedom. I can worship what I want or I don't want or if I want or I don't want. And uh, wherever I please, like sometimes I like to go to the Grove of Trees and God just meets me there. And uh, sometimes I like to just kind of do my thing, and, and I, you know, I choose where I'm going to worship and how I'm going to worship and even who or what I'm going to worship. It's kind of my choice. And even if I choose to worship God or Jesus, I, I get to pick how I'm going to worship, however you please. And he says, no, that's not the way it works. You don't get to worship however you please. That's not... Yahweh's way. Remember, we were talking about walking in the way of the Lord. The Lord is just. And the prior, prior place, the foundation of the way of justice is just walking with him. Just relationship with him. The first three commandments about not only who you're going to worship, but how you're going to worship God. And he gets to pick where. And he gets to pick what you're going to eat. And he gets to pick. And now this is where it gets like 
Why is God so demanding? Right? Why is he so annoying? Even telling me how to eat. Where and what and what, with who and when. Can I just eat whatever I want? It's, he goes on here, and he says, um, but you may butcher your animals and eat their meat in any town wherever you want. You may freely eat the animals with which the Yahweh or God blesses you. Now, is this freedom? You can freely eat? That's what it sounds like, but we sometimes take it the other way. With God's blessing you with animals, all of you, whether ceremony clean or unclean, may eat that meat just as you now eat gazelle and deer, but you must not consume the blood. You must pour it out on the ground like water. But you may not eat your offerings in your hometown, neither the tithe or the grain or the firstborn, etc. That must be in the, eat in the presence of Yahweh your God of the place he will choose. Eat them there with your children, your servants, the Levites who live in your town, celebrating the presence of Yahweh your God in all you do. And be careful never to neglect the Levites as long as you live in the land. When the Lord your God expands your territory, verse 20, as he promised and you have the urge to eat meat, you may freely eat meat wherever you want. So up to this time, they were supposed to bring their animals to the tabernacle to, to slaughter them and sacrifice them so that it was eating in God's presence. And they were to eat the kind of things that were worthy of being um, sacrificed. Now, of course, a real sacrifice was especially holy, but it had to be the same kind of animal, so it had to be clean animals. Um, but now he's saying, you're going to be out in your towns, and so, you know, it's going to be dispersed all over. You don't necessarily have to come to the place God chooses where the tabernacle is put to slaughter. You can eat other places, but it has the same feel. Even when you eat at home, it has that feel of eating in the presence of Yahweh. And in verse chapter 14, he's going to go on and talk about what they can eat. Um, but I want you to notice that the things he says they can eat are the kinds of things that would be eligible to be eaten in the sanctuary. So what he's really saying is, even at home, you're going to be able to eat with me in my presence in a sense. You're going to be part of that. And he gives a reason why that is. Chapter 14 begins with, since you are the people of the Lord your God, you have been set apart as holy to, he says, never cut yourselves or shave the hair above your foreheads in mourning for the dead. So there was a thing in Canaanite religion of relating to the ancestors and the dead. He says, you've been set apart as holy to the Lord your God and it, and he has chosen you from all the nations of the earth to be his own special treasure. Do you remember? Exodus 19, that's what it said. You're going to be chosen to be God's own special treasure so that you can bless the nations of the world. It goes through all the list of things they can eat and they can't eat. And it ends again with, but do not eat it for yourselves, for you are set apart as holy to Yahweh our God. So chapter 14, that begins and ends with the reason you can eat this stuff but not other stuff, is because you are set apart. You are chosen. You are a treasured possession of Yahweh. So you get to eat this stuff that can be used in the sacrifices. And every time from when you're a baby, you're going to learn, oh, can't eat that. Don't put that in your mouth because we're a treasured possession of the Lord our God. We can't eat that stuff. Other people might be able to do that, but not us. We are a different people. We are a 
holy people. We are chosen by God. He freed us from slavery. That's why we get to eat sacrificial animals, but not other kinds of things. We can't eat pigs. Other people can eat pigs, but we can't because we're a chosen, special, holy people. That was drilled into every time you ate. Oh, yeah, that's right. We eat this stuff. Other people might eat other stuff, but this is what we eat because God chose us. We're treasured. We're holy. Um, So, and again, they... um, so it, he promises them that they can eat the meat that is clean meat, but they must always drain the blood. The draining of the blood goes way back to Cain's blood being spilled, back to Noah, and they have to drain the blood because the idea was people saw that when the blood drains out of somebody, the life drains out of them, and drains out of an animal, the life is gone. And, and so you're not claiming that life. There was a respect even for the fact that even any animal dying is a sacrifice for you to eat. This animal's giving us life so that you can eat. You have to respect that and, and let the life go back to God who gave it. Um, and it's not yours to eat that life. So we, it's hard for us to get that picture that because we don't see blood in the same way maybe, but uh, that was the, the thinking behind it. Um, so I want you to... to uh, See, we'll, and we'll talk some more as we, as we go on here, but here's the thing. We, we see this difficulty of God is so demanding. He wants to even just tell me how to eat and tell me how to, where to go and who to eat with and all this kind of stuff. He's just, and it's so against our way of wanting to do things our way, right? Um, and let's be honest, society pushes us that way. And and he says in, in the end of chapter 12, when the Lord your God goes ahead of you and destroys the nations and drives them out and live in their land, do not fall into the trap of following their customs and worshiping their gods. Do not inquire about their gods saying, how do these nations worship their gods? I want to follow their example. You must not worship Yahweh your God the way the other nations worship their gods, for they perform for their gods, every detestable act that the Yahweh hates, they even burn their sons and daughters as sacrifices to their gods. So be careful to obey all the commands I give you. You must not add anything to them or subtract anything from them. So again, this end of chapter 12 is echoing the beginning of chapter 12 and saying you cannot do it the Canaanite way. Now, our society also has its ways. And it's very easy for us to get, and the number one rule of our society is do what you want. Pick what you want. You're free. You're an American. Who says you can't do? Do what you want. And he's saying don't do what you want. You can't worship any way you please. And don't do what the Canaanites do, and don't ask them how you do things. When you get out of wilderness college and you go into the big bad world, they're going to tell you, well, here's what you got to do. You have to obey Master Card. And you have to be enslaved to Master Card. And then there's Landlord, who you have to obey as well. And then there's also that Boss. Boss also will get you a lot a long way. So pretty soon, you just got out of college. You were like, freedom! And pretty soon, you're enslaved to Landlord and Boss and Master Card. 
and you're depressed and lonely and you go on Facebook and you, they'd say, you know, I know how you're feeling. Buy something. You'll, be, you'll feel better. Eat something. Have it your way. Go to Burger King or, you know, all the promise of doing it the Canaanite way, the way our society does it. Doing what you want yourself and doing what, you know, self, society, and Satan. Doing what the gods of the Canaanites want. And pretty soon, you're back to making bricks. He freed you from that. You don't have to break bricks. You're free. This is Sabbath. You're free. But certainly pretty soon, you're bound to debt, to the boss, to the landlord, and yeah, I'm not giving you any straw. Come on. We have to make quota. We have to meet our targets. The market says whatever. We can be enslaved again to those other things. So we we're, try to be free ourselves and feed ourselves, but we fail and then we end up enslaved to something. But we're invited to feast with the Father and the whole family. This is not a restriction. This is come into my presence. So this is, a, this is an invitation from the host. So who gets to decide where you're going to eat and what you're going to eat and how much you're going to eat? Well, the host does, right? And Yahweh gives them this land and he gives them food and he says, hey, dinner's at my house. And they're supposed to bring stuff to his house and they're supposed to feast for the whole family and he invites everybody and you don't get to decide, oh, I don't like that person. You know, they're kind of poor and lazy, and I don't want them there. No, 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 everybody's invited. That's not up to you. You're not the host. And he says, this is where I'm going to put my name. This is where my house is going to be, and that's where we're going to have dinner. You don't get to come in and say, you know, can't we just stand in the kitchen? No, we're having dinner in the dining room. I set it up already. I'm the host. Yahweh is host, so he gets to invite us. And he gets to plan the menu. And he gets to invite everybody. And I don't get to decide because I'm a guest at his table. But what a privilege to be a guest at Yahweh's table, to be a guest at the table of Jesus is a privilege. Even if it means that I have to give up my way and my choices and what I want to eat and when I want to eat and how I want to eat. So... Um, when I was, you know, so my favorite meals would also be with family, um, with our kids around the table for dinner. Growing up, um, you know, 5.30, dinner was on the table, hot and ready, and you better be in your seat or be very close to in your seat because, and dad even figured out that he better be home. Um, and, and, and it was, you know, Meat, potatoes, vegetables, salad, and de dessert. And uh, milk or water, whatever you wanted. So that was, and I, I love that, right? But I, I didn't get to decide when I was going to eat or say, nah, I'd rather have Cheerios. Can I have some tuna? No, this was, this was what was there. And, uh, and I had to eat it. I remember sitting with a bowl of chili for a long time, one time. It was pretty cold, pretty na nasty, but I... You had to finish what was on your plate. 
Um, and it was good food. I miss it. My mom's not up to cooking much these days, so I, I miss it. And, and Thanksgiving dinners, when everybody would come and we'd all be together and, and, the, and there'd be all this food, good, good food. But sometimes we do our own thing. So when I was in high school, so breakfast was usually, you know, I guess it was because we didn't have money to buy cereal, but we, we, we had pancakes or we had toast and eggs, you know, homemade whole wheat toast, and we, we were, or we had uh, whatever. My mom, we usually made a breakfast. But I was too late in high school, and my, my mom thought breakfast was really important. So, uh, so I, I don't have time for breakfast. So, so she would, but I, I, you know, product 19 was really good, really nutritious because it had all those vitamins sprayed on it. You could have all the vitamins right there. So, so she, that was what I wanted. So instead of going upstairs for breakfast in the basement, she would bring me a glass of product 19 and a glass of milk, and which is, I know my wife says, I'm very spoiled. I can see the look on her face right now. Um, <laughs> but I was not going to miss breakfast. Mom was going to make sure I didn't. But so she was, you know, accommodating to me. But I was missing breakfast with the family with pancakes or eggs or whatever so that I could have my product 19 and whatever on my, on, in the basement while I got dressed. Sometimes we're like that. I want to do my thing. I, you know, I didn't get up early enough. I you know, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to, you know, get together with family. I don't have time to, I don't have time to get to church. I don't have time to, to really see people. I don't have time with my family. I get, you go, oh, you got to go, got to go, you know? And I remember, you know, we almost never went out to eat, but my family went uh, for, they went a few weeks ahead when I was a senior and they left me some money for food and they left me some, some coupons. So I was like, oh, this is great. You know, go to A&W, two for one, teen burger, bacon and everything. And I sat in the car and ate my two teen burgers. I was like, this is not really that fun, actually. <laughs> this isn't that good and there's nobody here to eat it with. It's a lot more fun to eat with family. And when we decide how we're going to do our lives, how we're going to eat, how we're going to, you know, I'm going to go to church or not or whatever, you know, just worship God in the grove of trees or the whatever. I can, you know, worship God in front of the screen or worship God in front of the lake or worship God. I mean, I'm not, I'm not no guilt on your family vacation, whatever. But the point is that we don't, it's not really up to us how we're going to worship God. God decides that. Right? He's the host. And he spreads the table. And we'll get to communion, but communion is really where we spread the table together. Not to mention we get over to Annette's house, Jim and Annette's house, or, you know, somebody else in the family, and we get to eat together. Um, so there is, have you guys ever heard the story about the missionary who's being chased by the lion? Could have been a missionary. Could have been a native evangelist. I don't know. But he had been chased by a lion. He was, maybe he was on a horse, and he, he, was, he, was, uh, he was riding on the horse, and the, and the lion grabbed the, the horse. He, he fell off, and he kept running, and he thought, oh, phew, he's got a horse. But the lion kept chasing him. And he was running, he's running, the lion was right behind him, and, and, he, and he fell, and he's, God, make that lion a Christian. And the lion skidded to a halt, <laughs> fell on its knees, and said, come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. We pray this food to us be blessed. Um, so the lion was blessed and prepared. Um, 
but I, I just changed it a little bit. God's the host. He says, come, my children, be my guest. For all you eat from me, thus blessed. And there's this sense in this text. The other word that keeps appearing is blessed. Blessed, blessed, blessed. And he keeps saying, if you obey, you'll be blessed. If you eat this way, you'll be blessed. If you eat, it'll go well with you. And that blessing, so how do you get to eat when you're out of college? You eat because God blesses you. You harvest because God gives you a harvest. You accomplish something because God enables you to accomplish something. You get to work because God gives you work. You get to work because God gives you abilities and skills and contacts, and it's an opportunity. But it's so easy to think it's because of boss. And I get a place because of landlord, and I get to MasterCard will solve my problems right now. And no. It's a blessing. It's not me. It's not those other gods that I try to chase after my insurance and my investments and my whatever that some of savings is going to somehow. No. Everything we get is a blessing from God. And when we realize that, it's not a big deal to eat what he gives us, eat it in the way he gives us, and then realize that when we do that, he said he'd bless us some more. It's not a demand, a command, but an invitation to celebration together. Do you notice how it talks about celebration and feasting and joy? It's not taking my pot tithe, but blessing my work. Um, at, the end of, at the end of this chapter, it talks about the, the tithe. At the end of chapter um, 14. But, um, and as far as who are you? Well, we already read this, but since you are the people of Yahweh your God, never cut yourselves. You've been set apart as holy to the Lord your God, and he has chosen you from all the nations of the earth and to be his own special treasure. So who are you? You know, we, a lot of us are like trying to find ourselves. Ever notice that people who try to find themselves never seem to find themselves? That's been my observation. They are always on a search for themselves. It's usually actually when somebody finds you, that you discover who you are. When God finds you, you find out who you are. You're loved, you're blessed, you're chosen by him. You're part of this people. You don't have to succeed. You don't have to become. You don't have to put on. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to have your Facebook and your Twitter and your... You just are a part of this people. You're a child of God. You don't have to become someone. You are. And as Pastor Jim would say, when you know who we are, you'll know what you have to do. We know who we are because he's chosen us. Um, and Yahweh is our host. He also says, you're my children. He's our father and our Lord. It's, this is a, the king inviting the vassals to eat together with him, which is a big deal, right? You get to eat with a Eat at the White House, that's a pretty big deal. Um, we get to eat in his presence. We get to eat that which is worthy of him. And everyone is invited three times a year. All males have to be there. All males, not, not just the rich ones, not just all of them. And then everybody else is invited. He says, you're, 
your wives and your sons and daughters and your male and female servants and be sure the Levites come along. Um, and uh, um, so I, I, I'm going to get to that in a minute, but I've, I've skipped over chapter 13. I want to say a little bit about chapter 13 because it's... Um, Look at chapter 13. Um, and this is addressed to that issue. It doesn't talk so much about eating, but it's addressed to that issue of the other gods. Okay? Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a scenario that made me relook at this scripture. So I was teaching about witchcraft and talking about whether, whether you know, witches can really cause harm and so forth. And, and somebody in the chapel service that I was with at the at the Pentecostal Bible College, said, well, when they killed the witch, it seemed like the, the disease stopped. And uh, so how do you answer that one? Right? Well, how can you argue with success, as we say, right? Um, chapter 13 says, suppose there are prophets among you or those who dream dreams about the future and they promise you signs or miracles and the predicted signs or miracles occur. Well, then they're pretty good, right? That's a good scientist if you can make a hypothesis and make it happen. And if they then say, come, let us worship other gods, gods you have not known before, do not listen to them. Shut your ears. Yahweh, our God, is testing you to see if you truly love him with all your heart and soul. So Yahweh allowed this miracle or this sign to happen because he wants to see, are you really secure? Are you really following me? So success is not enough. Serve only Yahweh our God and fear him alone. Obey his commands, listen to his voice, and cling to him. The false prophets or visionaries who try to lead you astray must be put to death. For they encourage rebellion against Yahweh our God who redeemed you from slavery and brought you out of the land of Egypt. Put them to death, and this way you'll purge the evil from among you. Now, it was harsh last time when we were talking about the Canaanites, right? And they were supposed to destroy the Canaanites so that they didn't get infected. Well, now this is a fellow Israelite who's a prophet even. And he does amazing things. But then he says, you know, so we don't have to have just one God. We could have some other options for some other things, you know. What about, no, you kill him. So Ebola is happening in eastern Congo right now. And it's hard for people to understand what Ebola is, that there's this virus. So I, I saw a video on BBC, and they, so, you know, this person's loved one died, and they stuffed her in a body bag. And she's like, that's not right. So, so she snuck her out of the body bag and gave her a proper burial, and then she got sick, and 11 people in her family died. And uh, she managed to survive, and now she's actually helping to, to care for babies who have Ebola. So 1,500 people have died, even though they've developed a vaccine. But the real part of the issue is that people don't really get it. A virus is invisible, right? And it's hard to understand all that. There could be all kinds of other reasons, right? That's the kind of thing going on here. This is a dangerous infection, folks. Rebellion against the king is not to be tolerated. We need to get rid of that infection, even if it means killing them. In fact, stone them. Don't touch them. Just stone them. And then he goes on, it gets worse. He says, suppose someone secretly entices you, even your brother, your son, or your daughter, your beloved wife, or your closest friend. 
and says that, let us go worship other gods, gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known. They might suggest you worship the gods of people who live nearby or come from the ends of the earth, but do not give in or listen to them. Have no pity and do not spare or protect them. You must put them to death. Strike the first blow yourself. And then all the people must join in. Wow. Supposed to kill my wife? And my daughter and my best friend? Yes. Uh, that's pretty harsh. Getting on the Canaanites was bad enough, but now my wife? You see what the priority is? Yahweh and serving him is what it's all about. Yahweh is where life comes from. And if your wife is going to bring death into the family, you can't have that. You can't have, and it goes on and talks about a, a city where some people get, get people in the city to, to rebel. Now it says investigate it carefully. No, there's no just, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, a, a mob or a uh, lynch mob. Just you got to investigate it carefully. You have to make sure this is really what happened. But there is no tolerating that in this society. Now, in our society, that is like super extreme. Like one of the reasons people think how terrible you guys are. You're so monotheistic. You're so stuck on your God saying Jesus is the only way. And Jesus himself saying you should hate your mother and father and your and love him more than all of that. Really? So Jesus is actually in agreement with this text. It is so important that Yahweh is first, that Jesus is first. And it, Scripture, New Testament says the same, Jesus is the only way. And there is not the possibility of allowing that infection. But you know what? We're all a little bit inoculated. We're all a little bit, we've gotten a little infected with the pluralism in our society that's, you know, eh, it's not so bad. Now, I'm not saying we... We're not going back to uh, Christendom when there actually was the church could make these decisions. But we are, we're, I'm, I'm all for freedom of religion and freedom for everybody to be able to say their point of view and to, to try to persuade each other. I, I'm good with that. But we have to be serious about not compromising with, well, maybe we could have a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Or There's also, you know, Jesus and. No. So, um, <laughs> who we worship is really important. So, we've been focusing on the first three commandments and, and loving God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind. But that justice with God flows over automatically into being like that God, that just God. And if we go on to chapter 14, the end, he talks about the tithe. You must set aside a tithe. Now, I don't have time to go in-depth in this. And you all can start praying because this fall we're going to do a several series on just money, just power, just sex. Just sex, money, and power. That's all we're going to talk about. That should take us to Christmas. We'll have it covered. Um, but you can start praying now because we're all like already shaking our boots. So I'm not going to cover everything this says about money, but uh, we'll get there. Um, so it talks about the tithe. But the interesting thing here is it's talking about when you bring the tithe, so verse 22 of chapter 14, you must set aside a tithe of your crops. So God's blessed you with these crops. Take a tenth of it 
of all the crops you harvest each year, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place Yahweh God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to, and he says, all the things they've gotten. Doing this will teach you always to fear Yahweh your God. And when Yahweh your God blesses you with a good harvest, the place of worship he chooses for his name to be honored might be too far for you to bring the hot tithes. So turn it into money and then bring it and then feast there in the presence of Yahweh your God and celebrate with all your household. And do not neglect the Levites in your town for they will receive no allotment of land with you. At the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites who will receive no allotment of land among you as well as to the foreigners living among you, the orphans and the widows in your town. So they can eat and be satisfied. Then Yahweh, your God, will bless you in all your work. So you get it. Give 10% as a thank you, as gratitude, as tax to the king, to God who gave it to you, and then God will bless your work. And among you, there will be no hungry. Because even the aliens, those, you know, Moabites or Ammonites or Canaanites or, you know, mixed in there somehow, even those aliens are going to be eating. Even the widows and the, the orphans and the ones who have nobody are going to be eating because you're inviting them to dinner. Well, no, actually, Yahweh's inviting them to dinner, but he put the crops in your land, so you're inviting them along with you to dinner at Yahweh's place. And you're going to feast there. Chapter 14 talks about at the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. Um, we'll talk someday about what the canceling means. Re returning the pledge, um, maybe not making payments, maybe it's uh, full cancellation of the debt. And this release from debt, so either releasing the, the land, he's releasing the debt, and he's, then he goes on to say, this release from debt, however, applies only to your fellow Israelites, not to the foreigners living among you. Verse 4, there should be no poor among you. For Yahweh your God will greatly bless you in the land he's giving you as a special possession. You will receive this blessing if you are careful to obey all the commands of Yahweh your God so that I'm giving you today. Yahweh your God will bless you as he promised. You will lend money to many nations but will never need to borrow. You will rule many nations but they will not rule over you. <clears throat> we, we never lend money to other, even as America, right? We never have Chinese buy bonds from us or anything like that. We don't owe anybody else any money, right? Um, well, I would see, we haven't gotten there. We haven't gotten to where there's no poor, even among us as Christians, right? But that's the ideal. He says, if you do this, I'm going to bless you so much that there's going to be no poor among you. You're going to have these feasts and everybody's going to be fed. But you know, a lot of us are like we sit down at Thanksgiving dinner and, and, and the serving tray is bought and we're like, oh, turkey, that's awesome. Put some turkey on, we set the plate there. I might want some later, I might want seconds. And, or maybe even later, and, I, I, and then the, the mashed potatoes come, oh, that's great stuffing. And we put all the serving plates around us because I, I, I might want seconds. I might get hungry later, right? Instead of passing it, oh, but the, the turkey, I, I might not get any turkey. No, you pass it around, Guess what? If it gets empty, the host, Yahweh, brings it back to the kitchen. He fills it up with turkey again and puts it in front of you. That's the way this is working. He's saying, pass it around. Give some to everybody. Share it. And then Yahweh will bless you, and he'll, he'll fill up the serving plate again, and 
he'll have some more. Some more to share, some more to eat, some more to enjoy and celebrate together. Um, so uh, then there's a release for Hebrew slaves. Oh, let me, let, well, we got to go. Next verse, where we were just with, verse 6, goes into verse 7. But if there are any poor Israelites in your town, oh, wait a second, I thought there were no poor Israelites. Now it says if there are any poor. Which one is it? Well, he's stating the ideal. If you do this all right, there will be no poor. But then he goes on and says, but of course, there will always be some poor among you because you're probably not going to do it. Um, if there are any poor Israelites in your town, when you arrive in the land your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. Give gener- oh, uh, if you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you'll be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for Yahweh your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That's why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and the other Israelites in need. Which, by the way, when people quote, you remember Judas and that, that whole story, and Jesus says there will always, always be poor among you, right? People are like, yeah, you know, there will always be poor, so who cares? That's not what he was saying. He was quoting this. There will always be some poor, so be generous, be lending, be, yeah, give to them. You can also put anointing oil on my feet right now, but he was not saying don't worry about it. He was saying be generous. But our tendency is to do what? Be tight-fisted. Be cold-hearted. Be hard-hearted. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, that guy, you know, I'm not going to make eye contact because I know, you know, he's going to ask me for something. It talks about a bad eye as well. He's saying, be soft-hearted. Be open-handed. Because when you're open-handed and you pass it around, then the host puts some more turkey in your hands. He says, I'll bless you. Don't worry about it. Pass it around. So he doesn't say, loan money out so you can get high interest on it so you can build an account and you can have money for retirement. Now, we're, gonna, we're not going to go into all that, but the point of loaning is to bless somebody who needs it. And then God's going to take care of blessing you with more. But you see, when we're always trying to figure out our way, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be wise, we shouldn't save money, I'm not saying that, but we don't have control. Let's be honest. It comes down to Yahweh's blessing. And if you got a good job, it's not because you're so great. It's because he gave you one. And if you got money in the bank, it's not because you're so cool. It's because he gave you some money. And if you got debt, it's not because he doesn't care. He can help you with that. Um, and then there's freedom for, this, for the, the Hebrew slaves as well. Um, chapter 16. So... It's talking about the Sabbath here. It says there's going to be no poor. There's going to be no hungry. There's going to be no poor. And then chapter 16 talks about these three feasts. And it says there's going to be no sad. Because everybody's going to a feast. Chapter 16 talks about the Passover. And eating this bread and suffering so that you, as long as you live, you will remember the days you departed from Egypt. 
And the Passover is what we celebrate again when we do communion, because Jesus celebrated the Passover and re, um, re gave it new meaning about remembering for the past and the future. Um, and you do it in the honor of the Lord your God. Let's go on to verse 9. Count off seven weeks from then to the beginning of the grain at the time of harvest. Then celebrate the festival to honor Yahweh our God, bringing him a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings you received from him. This is to celebrate before Yahweh at the designated place of worship he will choose for his name to be honored. Celebrate with your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites with your towns, and the foreigners, orphans, and widows who live among you. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, so be careful to obey all these decrees. So when it comes time to harvest, when you have a Thanksgiving celebration, invite everybody, is what he's saying. Um, because everybody gets to celebrate, so there's going to be no sad. See, the worst thing about being poor, being a marginalized person, isn't even that you don't have so much to eat, it's that you feel so marginalized, that people don't want to look you in the eye, that you don't get invited to stuff, because people know you're, you know, you're going to ask, and then what am I going to do? And, um, and it's just like debt. You know the definition of a distant friend, right? A distant friend is a close friend who owes you money. Um, that's why you need to deal with debt, so that they could be one people. And then here, they're all going to be together. Everybody. So you invite everybody to come with you to the feast. The other day, um, our former landlords, the Hardgroves, um, they invited us to dinner. They, 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 but then they invited us to, there's this uh, family that they've gotten connected with, and they found them a place to stay. They're Romo. They're a Muslim Ethiopian. Uh, and because she doesn't speak very much Swahili, they had asked us to go along. We went to the Twins game. They took us all the Twins game, and Ikeno in as well, his first baseball game, and our son Isaac. But, and they gave, you know, you want a hot dog? Let's have hot dogs. Let's have ice cream. Let's have popcorn. Let's see the, the fireworks. And the kids are like, well, I'd rather play watch soccer. But anyways, um, but you know, it was, we're going to the Twins game. We're bringing everybody, not just our family, but people, our Muslim Oromo neighbors, who are, I thought that was a cool example of bringing Everybody along. Um, the festival of shelters, seven days at the end of the harvest season after the grain's been stressed, everything's, grains and the grapes have been pressed. This festival will be a happy time of celebrating with your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows from your towns. For seven days, you must celebrate this festival to honor Yahweh your God at the place he chooses, for it is he who blesses you with bountiful harvest and gives you success in all your work. This festival will be a time of great joy for all. <clears throat> so you are commanded to be joyful with everybody because you've been blessed, because you've got a harvest, because you've been fed. You get to eat this Thanksgiving meal with the Father and the whole family. <clears throat> and he emphasizes that it's the whole family. Um, so... Is the answer to poverty or hunger or sadness interpersonal or structural? This was supposed to come up one at a time. So some people say, oh, it's interpersonal. Just get to know some people, you know. I'm, I, I'm not racist. I have a good friend, you know. I, 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 I gave a little bit to this poor person one time. Um, 
you know, that kind of interpersonal stuff. And then other people say, no, it's all about the structures. We need to change the tax system. We need to change the... If you see in here, it's both. Because if you're collecting tithes and putting them in a storehouse and keeping them every three, three that, that's, that's kind of a little bit of a system, right? You're changing the system so that the whole system is working for everybody. At the same time, it's interpersonal. Hey, let's all have dinner together. Let's go together, my poor neighbor and my widowed neighbor, and let's go together and feast together with Yahweh. And what a bond. But see, the thing is, it's so easy to get separated from people who are in some different socioeconomic class from you. Whether they're richer or poorer, you're like, yeah, you know, I don't, those people, those people will just be with our people. But here, everybody, all Israelites have to go, all men, no matter how poor you are, and everybody's invited to go and eat and be blessed and have great joy. So this is not a demand. This is an invitation. Come to Thanksgiving at the, with the family. Oh, you're always so demanding. How come we always have to have Thanksgiving? How come it's always at your place? Why can't we have corned beef and hash? No, come on. Everybody's going to be there. Why don't you come on and come for Christmas? I was just there for Thanksgiving. Why do I have to go to Christmas? No, no, come on. And Easter too. We can make our celebrations a celebration of all Yahweh has blessed us with. Thanksgiving should be a, who are you going to thank after all? Thank God. That's what it was designed for. Christmas is about Jesus coming. Easter is about him Dying and being resurrected for us, right? So how do we do this? We do it at the communion table together. We do it when we invite each other over, even if it's just for a soda. And you do it when we go to the cook's place for a grad party. We get lots of food. And everybody else's place, we went to grad parties here in the last few months. Um, <clears throat> we do it... Um, all kinds of different ways, but we get a chance. And then when we sit down as a family and we pray and we say, thank you, God, for this food. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Or more, thank you, Lord, we're, we're your guest. And with all this that you have blessed. Um, okay, what about the New Testament? In two minutes while the worship team comes. Um, who did Jesus eat with? Sinners, those people, tax collectors, and Pharisees, and he ate with everybody, right? And he told stories about how this guy was throwing a wedding feast, and he said, everybody, come on. And there's some person, yeah, well, I got this field I got to go check out, and, you know, I got a new wife, and I got some cows. You didn't look at your field before you bought it? Come on. What kind of excuse is that? Jesus says, and then he says, you know what? They didn't come, so he got everybody. And everybody's going to come to that feast at the end of time. What did, who did the early church eat with? Well, they ate all together. It says they broke bread house to house. And they shared, and they shared their possessions. And Barnabas sold his field so that everybody could eat, so the widows could eat. They had their problems too. 
but they shared, and, and their witness to God and his resurrection was combined with their witness as who they were. And then, chapter 10, you remember what happens? Peter has this vision, all these creepy things and ugly things and pigs and whatever that God asked him to eat. And he's like, no, I'm a good, righteous Jew. He says, don't call unclean what I've called clean. It's like, wow, this is really confusing. Go with Cornelius. He goes with Cornelius, and then he quotes what we see in, in the Scripture, especially as we go on. Wow, I see that God is not partial. And he's poured out his Holy Spirit on Gentiles even. You people. He's put, and then he gets back home, and what do they ask him? You don't ask him theologicals. You ate with them? Ooh, you slept at their house? Yeah. Because it's all opened up. You see, the sacrificial system at the temple was broken open. The veil was torn in two, like we have right there, because of the cross. And now everybody had access. And so those food laws that made Israelites holy and distinct from other people weren't necessary anymore. Now there was still holiness, but everybody's invited to the table. Everybody's invited to the table of the Lord. Hallelujah. Chapter 15, they figured out, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And they, they said, in Acts, they said, well, you know what? We're just going to ask them not to have, sex, the Gentiles, not to have sexual immorality, idolatry, or eat blood, because that was even before this. But other than that, eat whatever you want, but eat it together. 1 Corinthians 11, which we quote when we come to the table. Paul was saying, your church, you got communion going on, but it's not good because you're feasting together, but the rich people eat first and the poor people come late and there's not much left. And that's not how it goes. We eat together in the presence of the Lord and everybody's full. No hungry, no poor, no sad. We have to celebrate together. And then finally, when will we all eat together? When do we get to have all the Tanzanians and the Chinese and the Cambodians and all the parts of our family together? Well, we'll all be together in the New Jerusalem. We'll get to eat in God's presence in a whole new way. And we'll get to celebrate. And we'll get to enjoy his blessings. But we get a foretaste now. He's invited you to the table. And he invites you every time the doors are open here, Every time you pull out the chair at your dining room table, even every time maybe you're driving in the car and trying to slam something down with the family before you get someplace, say a prayer. Thank him that you can buy something at McDonald's. You are invited to feast together with all of us and especially with him. So let's, let's sing. Could we... Do Jesus, you're worthy of it all. Sorry to shift things up for you, but um, <clears throat> can we stand up? I just want to pray. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna close the service, and then we're gonna sing for those who can stay. Um, but I, I hope you caught the vision that this, and I hope you're reading Deuteronomy. I hope you go back, if you haven't read it already, hope even if you did read it already, go back and read Deuteronomy 12 to 16. See what's in there, and then read on, because Pastor Andrew's going to talk about justice in power and kings and judges um, in the next coming up. But see if that doesn't change the way you look at it. Look for eat. Look for blessed. Look for those words and see if it isn't what you thought was a demanding 
restrictive thing is an invitation from the host. Let's eat together. Everybody. No poor, no hungry, no sad. And we're welcome. And today, maybe you're saying, I'm not sure I'm even part of this family. This seems like a weird family. And they're very restrictive about Jesus only. Um, Welcome to the family. Um, You only get there by being one with the Father through Jesus Christ. But you're welcome. Welcome to join us. And I'd be happy to have you talk to somebody else. If you have something you want to pray about, come up here. There will be people to pray with you. Um, Maybe you have some some bills, some debts, some food that you need to uh, really ask God for. Um, we, uh, We are here to pray with you. And Lord, we, we just want to thank you. Yahweh, thank you for being so generous, for freeing us from our slavery, our slavery to all those other things, to the way society does things, to the other gods and, and ways of taking care of ourselves and finding security, freeing us from our own selfishness and wanting to do things our own way. Thank you for welcoming us to the feast. Thank you for blessing us. Please help us to eat your way, to live your way. Every time we put food in our mouths, may it be with thanksgiving to you. May it be with consciousness of our brothers and sisters that we're eating together. Lord, I pray that you would practically knit us together as a family. Give us opportunities to eat together, to share together, to be together. Lord, we are grateful for all that you've given. Make us more grateful. Help us to see your blessings. Help us to obey you in our worship and our eating and our giving and our use of money and our relationships so that we can have even more blessings, so we can live in your justice, walk in your ways, receive your blessing. We admit we can't do that on our own because we want to do things our way. But we want to eat whatever comes from your hand. Every word that comes from your mouth is what we want. So we give our lives to you. We put our own lives and our own selves on the, on the table. And we take from your hand what you give. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessing to us. Help us to live in joy, enjoying you, enjoying each other, enjoying your blessings. Amen. So go in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to enjoy his good gifts and to bless others with them. Amen. Thank you.